Hello, and welcome to the Healthcare Real Estate Advisor podcast. I'm Andrew Dick, an attorney with Hall Render, the largest healthcare-focused law firm in the country. Please remember the views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants only and do not constitute legal advice. Today, we'll be talking about how hospitals and healthcare systems can use data analytics for site selection purposes. Buxton is a company is a data company that helps a broad range of industry groups from retailers to healthcare providers make smart decisions when selecting the right location to do business. Today, we will be talking with Bill Stineford, Senior Vice President with Buxton, about how healthcare providers can benefit from the use of customer data when developing an ambulatory network. Bill, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Bill, before we talk about Buxton's healthcare expertise, let's talk about your background. You're a Texas native with an interesting background in business and journalism. Tell us about your career experience before you joined Buxton. <laughs> yeah, well, I I, uh, I studied uh, I studied business uh, and uh, English uh, at uh, in at college, and and I got out of uh, I got out of Texas A and M, and I was a financial analyst for a year, and I wasn't really ready to grow up. And I'd always been a, a big sports fan. And so uh, I actually went back to graduate school to study uh, journalism uh, and with, with the focus of really getting into sports uh, and ended up uh, working uh, with ESPN for about four years. Uh, so uh, really, uh, you know, got to be on the radio in Dallas, Fort Worth and, uh, you know, hosted pre and post game Mavericks shows the Dallas Mavericks are, are still on the station. Um, and we're able to cover or cover Super Bowls and spring trainings and training camps and, uh, just a, a fantastic education, uh, to, to study sports, uh, and study journalism, uh, and did that for a long time, hosted the afternoon show, uh, here in Dallas, Fort Worth. Uh, and it was, it was a blast, but, uh, you know, eventually, I didn't want to, I guess I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life as fun as it was in the moment uh, and was ready to kind of get back into quote unquote business. And so uh, that, that led me to make a change. And so how did you make the transition from uh, your broadcasting career to uh, Buxton? What was interesting when I was, uh, when I was going through graduate school, I was putting my way through graduate school. And so uh, I had an internship at the ABC radio station uh, here in town, uh, and that internship was great experience, but that was a free internship. Uh, and I had to make a little money, obviously, going to school, doing the free internship uh, during morning drive. And so through friends, I had heard of this company called Buxton, which I, I didn't know about at the time. Uh, and I got an internship in the marketing department that paid me a little bit. Uh, while I went to school and I fell in love uh, with this company. And, you know, about that time that I was at ESPN, uh, Moneyball had come out, you know, by Michael Lewis and that became sort of the rage. And obviously they made a movie about it, but that was, I remember reading that when it first came out, like cover to cover. And I just loved that story. Uh, and I think it's important for data analytics today because I think, you know, that story uh, gets bastardized at times uh, about what it really was. I think sometimes people said, you know, that that was about, you know, the story about baseball and the Oakland A's and being a very successful organization. 
with one of the lowest payrolls in Major League Baseball uh, and doing it uh, consistently over a long period of time. But, you know, what that story, some people said was, oh, they just said a bunch of stats guys, you know, made, made decisions and you didn't need scouts or baseball expertise. Uh, and it was really what the story was saying was you, you do need expertise. You do need great scouts and gut, but you also need science and data uh, as part of your decision-making process. And when you can marry those two together, you can make much better decisions, decisions that will produce the best return on investment for ballplayers. You know, you're investing millions of dollars into a ball player that you sign as a free agent or you draft. You want to go off more than just eyeballs. Uh, and so I loved that story. And in a way, that's what Buxton was really doing for businesses and what, what we do for businesses. It was really providing the science and the data to complement, you know, the already strong decision-making processes of a company to help them make better real estate decisions and better customer decisions. And so, you know, that always stuck with me. That fascinated me. While, fast, that was fascinating to me, you know, while I was an intern uh, for them and then got into ESPN and, and did that, you know, threw myself into that for four years. But again, I studied business in college and I was always, you know, wanting to kind of think about getting back into that world. And Buxton had always stayed in touch with me and came to the point in my career with broadcasting where you either need to kind of move markets or, you know, really throw yourself into the next stage. And I really didn't want to move and I didn't want to do those types of things. And I found a great home in Buxton. And uh, that was 14 years ago now, over 14 years ago. Uh, and I have not looked back and it's been a, a tremendous professional decision and to see how we've grown and advanced and helped companies with those investment decisions uh, over time. So that's kind of how I transitioned uh, into Buxton. So Bill, uh, tell us a little bit about what you started off doing at Buxton and then what you're doing today. So yeah, so I started out in our retail vertical and, and Buxton is a consumer analytics company uh, helping build you know predictive solutions that help people make great investment decisions, be they for new locations or relocations, market optimizations, targeted marketing, uh, helping understand how their consumers behave beyond just demographics. So there's a couple of different verticals that we have. Uh, but our our historical uh, vertical where we started was was retail. And so I started in our retail vertical uh, in sort of a business development role, you know, calling on major retailers and restaurants throughout uh, when I first started the southwestern portion of the United States and and uh, you know helping in that and and quickly rose in our retail vertical. And then, you know, oversaw that and then also over the years took over uh, our growing healthcare vertical. Uh, and so now sort of oversee, you know, all client development, uh, both making sure that our existing client relationships are strong uh, and fruitful, as well as helping coordinate uh, our marketing message and our sales efforts uh, to continue to bring new clients into into Buxton. That's a great summary. and and. Bill, what is, how did Buxton get into the healthcare space? Because the audience listening to this podcast, they're, they're real estate investors, they're hospital and healthcare executives looking to make smart decisions when they open up a, a new clinic location or a new hospital. And they'll say, gosh, we, we've heard of Buxton, but, but primarily in the retail space, 
but in reality, Buxton has done quite a bit of work in the healthcare space. Tell us, uh, tell us about Buxton's healthcare expertise and how Buxton moved from the retail vertical into the healthcare vertical. Yeah, so you know, we we still have a very strong retail vertical, but yeah, uh, you know, we've been around twenty five years as a company, and we started in in retail, uh, but. Yeah, over the years, we've grown into restaurant, uh, we've grown into city government, private equity, and as you mentioned, healthcare. Basically, any type of business, if you have a customer or a patient or a consumer, and you you know want to find people that look just like that uh, and grow your business with real estate or marketing, uh, you know, or get more out of your existing um, investments, we, we can certainly help with that. So, uh, our core verticals are those that I just mentioned, but, you know, we work with Marriott and we work with Fidelity Investments and insurance companies. And so, you know, basically, uh, we can apply these types of approaches to all those different types of businesses, but specifically with healthcare, which is our fastest growing vertical. Uh, and, you know, pretty soon, I think we'll end up being our largest overall vertical. It's pretty close already. Uh, is exciting to see. And it started probably, you know, probably 12, 13 years ago. Now, one of our retail clients uh, actually sat uh, on the board of Florida Hospital. Uh, and, you know, they were looking to roll out their Centricare line, their urgent care line. Uh, and, you know, they were like, hey, I, this is kind of like retail, this type of healthcare business. And I think that you guys can help us with that. And at the time we said, well, you know, we don't know anything about healthcare, but we'll try. Uh, and it worked. Uh, and in fact, uh, they're still a client to this day. It's been a really successful, obviously, rollout uh, of Centricare over the years. They still use it for that. But uh, we've branched into other different service lines for them. And we realized, you know, hey, there's something, there's something here with where healthcare is going. And then over the last, you know, sort of five, six years, as there's been a huge growth in ambulatory facilities or outpatient uh, facilities, that's really been the biggest boon to our healthcare business because the, the the things that make an outpatient or an ambulatory location successful are somewhat different and in many cases very different than what makes an inpatient healthcare facility successful. And in many cases, on an inpatient standpoint, it is still a bit of if you build it, they will come. Uh, you know, but in outpatient, there are so many choices uh, and there's so much competition that the difference between success or failure of an outpatient facility may be, you know, a quarter of a mile apart from, uh, you know, where you pick, right? And so the things that make successful uh, ambulatory location strategies work today are still a combination of some traditional healthcare metrics, you know, certain uh, outpatient and inpatient utilization data, insurance data, competition provider data, those types of things. But just as much, if not more, it is an understanding of the consumer and not just based on demographics, but how they live their lives, how they spend their money, how they behave, you know, as consumers, their attitudes towards different things, uh, and also retail metrics. You know, things like co-tenancy or area draw, visibility. You know, sometimes uh, people don't realize that the you know, a lot of times your most successful marketing vehicle in a healthcare situation or a retail situation is your facility itself, you know, and, and how visible are you and are you located near things that people 
uh, are driving by all the time on their way to work, on their way home, uh, when they run errands on the weekends, that impression frequency can build up and, and allow people to understand you're there. Certainly for things like urgent care, that's vital. But what we're seeing is even in things like orthopedics and sports medicine, things that were predominantly, you know, referral based, while there's still a huge component of that, more and more you're seeing healthcare companies go straight to the consumer to advertise their specialty services and location strategy is extremely important uh, in, in that being successful. And that has just as much to do with understanding consumers and retail metrics as it does healthcare metrics. So when you can combine all of those and bring them together, which we've done, because now we know a lot about healthcare, uh, it, it, it allows our clients to have, uh, or just companies in general that employ, employ these strategies to have a significant leg up on the ever-growing competition. So, Bill, if a, if a healthcare provider came to you and said, we're thinking of rolling out uh, an ambulatory care network or outpatient clinic network, depending on what you call it, uh, what could Buxton provide to that healthcare provider in terms of finding the right location? What type of metrics would you look at? What type of services would you offer? Yeah, well, what we would do, I mean, every case is a little bit different. We would you know, want to build a customized solution for each one of those specific clients and, and what they're trying to achieve. But uh, you, would build, you would build a forecasting uh, solution that is a combination of understanding the ideal patient consumer profile um, for that particular service uh, and also the payer mix that you would you know, like to optimize. Is it all payer? Is it commercial payer? You know, what, what, are, what, are, what are you trying to go achieve? Uh, you know, and then, uh, what are the competitive variables? What are the, uh, positive, uh, you know, correlating factors that need to be there? Uh, and then the, you know, this, the traditional utilization data and provider data and, and, you know, understand what makes successful locations successful and what makes ones that don't succeed in an outpatient environment for that particular service unsuccessful and build that solution that then allows the client to, be able to forecast any intersection across their service areas uh, or the whole country if they wanted. You know, uh, they can use the models to say, find me all the locations that will do greater than X in performance and won't cannibalize my existing locations by more than a specific percentage that they set. And so you help understand how many locations you can support in a market, where those locations should be uh, optimally. Uh, you know, how to evaluate your existing portfolio for that. If you offer that service line, which ones are not doing well, but they're underperforming their potential, which ones are not doing well, but frankly, they're doing as well as they could be doing and they need to be, they're in the wrong spots or, or that trade area has changed over time. So they need to be consolidated or relocated and then they can use the solution to do that. So uh, those are a, a lot of the output that we provide and we actually provide that into a very easy to use, but powerful uh, mapping and analytics platform that they can access on their phones or their tablets or their laptops, wherever they have an internet connection and visualize all of the things that we're talking about. Where's their competition? Where are their patients coming from? Where are their potential patients coming from? Where are those recommended points? If there's availability that pops up that you want to investigate, you can click a button and get a forecast on that potential site, you know, in about two minutes. Um, store files, run just regular utilization reports, insurance reports, demographic uh, behavioral reports, all those different types of things. 
at their fingertips, but most importantly, from a real estate strategy standpoint, understand where their home runs will be uh, and how to avoid uh, expensive misses. So, Bill, we talked about rolling out a new um, outpatient clinical strategy. What about a health system that has an existing network that wants to analyze how that existing network is performing? Is that something that Buxton could help with? Yeah, you know, absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things that when you build those forecasting solutions and you're studying their data, what makes their, for instance, you do this a lot with, with primary care where they have many, many locations within a market if you're a system and it's identifying, you know, what's the DNA uh, of your best locations in suburban markets in your service areas. Uh, what are the things that are always present um, in those trade areas that are sort of present in the okay locations trade areas that are hardly ever present in the poor performing trade areas? Uh, you know, what are those factors? And then that that model that is built can again forecast future performance, like like we just talked about. But you can also take it and score the existing locations and compare actual performance to forecast performance. And this becomes very valuable for our health system clients because it helps break down what I sort of like to call as the log jam of opinion that can develop. So for instance, if leadership of a system comes in to evaluate the primary care facilities uh, and their performance, and you know they look at the low performing locations, the question that the CEO asks, she may say, why do we have these low performing locations? And typically what, what you'll have is people pointing fingers at each other in the boardroom. You know, the people that picked the sites <laughs> will blame the operators and the physicians within the, the site. The physicians and the operators of the site will blame whoever picked the site. And then eventually everybody will get around to blaming marketing. They can all agree on that. It's marketing's fault. <laughs> but, you know, in reality, sometimes it is the location that was a miss, should have never been selected. or just as frequently, uh, it was a great location for 20 years for primary care, but that trade area has changed over time significantly, and that's not necessarily the most optimal spot for those services today. But the, but the analytics in an unbiased way is informing to say, you know what, no matter what you do, no matter how many physicians you put in, no matter how often you change out the front office, um, no matter how much money you dump in from a marketing standpoint or a huge remodel, you're wasting dollars. The analytics are showing that for that particular service line, to, to if you want it to produce at a certain level, the trade area potential is no longer there. So let's use the models to understand how to best consolidate that site and, and where should the, that be transferred to or where should you best relocate that site. But that's very different then another location that you may have that's doing the same actual volume, which is below par. But when we look at that with the model, the forecasts are saying it should be doing, you know, 40% better because this site looks like 10 other sites you have in these types of markets that they have the same type of potential patients in the same volumes. They have the same level of competition, the same area draw factors, the same you know, uh, utilization and insurance metrics, all these things are the same as all these other locations that all do 40% better, but this one's not. Why? And so sometimes that can be uh, that it does need to be remodeled or it needs to be moved 
just a little bit down the street to a more visible area because that that piece of the street is no longer where people are drawn. Or it could be that you need to add physicians. A lot of times we see that the wait times in those facilities end up being longer and it's tougher to get an appointment because you don't have the proper staff or the front office isn't, you know, the, 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 the front uh, office uh, help is not as nice as they need to be. Or maybe we needed to do more marketing. But you know that that trade area should be performing better than it is. That opens up a lot of possibilities because now what you're doing is not only finding the best places to invest in new locations uh, to the degree that you're opening up locations for primary care or urgent care or specialty, but you're also improving the performance of the existing portfolio of investments by knowing which ones to not invest in anymore and then which ones have potential and you should invest in. And the overall return on investment of all of your real estate becomes that much better. There's just a lot of waste in healthcare today because people are making decisions based on opinion. And people that make decisions based on data for the actual healthcare of their business sometimes are not making the best decisions based on data uh, for where they invest dollars. That was a great summary. You know, it seems to me, Bill, that there are a lot of different companies that that claim to offer site selection. A number of our healthcare clients get pitched all the time, but but Buxton seems to have maybe the more comprehensive platform uh, for this service. What do you think makes Buxton unique when compared to its competitors? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think we take a very different approach than the traditional players, uh, I guess, in healthcare with regard to these types of decisions. Um, and I think that that comes from our, our consumer analytics uh, and retail site selection background. There's a lot of good companies, but I think, um, you know, one of the things that I tend to see uh, that people are still relying on or offering as a way to, to select sites is more macro level traditional healthcare data. So certainly outpatient and inpatient utilization data, but at a, at a county level or a city level, um, you know, and, and the output may say you have a need for three additional orthopedic surgeons within this market. Okay, great. Where, you know, that's a big county, that's a big geography. And again, as we talked about in an outpatient environment, the difference between a successful location or an expensive miss might be only a half a mile down the road, one one spot versus another. Uh, so if you're talking about macro level, county level data that shows you know uh, uh, you know a demand for a particular service, great. Where are you going to service that demand? Because especially as you have so much more competition, both system competition as well as you know private companies that are focusing on a specialty or two many of them backed by private equity that can choose where they operate choose the type of payer that the, the type of patient that they want to go after you know uh they're 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 employing a lot of these quote unquote consumer and retail strategies and um you know if you make it much more convenient if somebody's in need of a service and you make it much more convenient you know if you're if your primary care doctor is telling you to go 40 minutes across town but there's a specialist that you drive by all the time and you're seeing their billboards and their advertisement on TV and those types of things. Well, can I just check them out? And so, you know, it's really important to understand where to be at an intersection level, at a micro level. And that's where we grew up. 
and where we still excel today with retail and and restaurant and and weaving in a lot of that traditional healthcare data and weaving in over a decade now of really strong ambulatory site selection healthcare experience with our consumer analytic experience and our retail experience really allows us to produce a unique solution that again can help our healthcare clients uh, uh, have a tool that that the people that they're competing against might not have to help them be successful uh, in a very evolving healthcare environment. Bill, let's uh, switch gears at this point and talk about ICSC or the International Council of Shopping Centers. They host a, an annual event called Recon. This year was significant from my perspective because there was a um, quite a bit of effort and um, and uh, showcasing health and wellness programs and how retailers can collaborate with healthcare providers. But why do you think there was such a strong push this year? to talk about health and wellness at ICSC Recon? Well, there's a number of different uh, reasons and I, you know, uh, we'll try to knock out a few of them. And I mean, first off, I was really excited that ICSC did that because, um, you know, it is such, such a strong, such a strong push from a, from a retail center standpoint, quote unquote, obviously it's no secret that there are certain retail concepts that are, that are struggling. Some are going out of business. There are uh, vacancies in in a lot of these centers. Now, I don't think that retail is dying. I think retail is evolving, just like healthcare is evolving. Uh, but one of the things that's you know that you'll see thriving right now are things like fitness facilities, gyms, uh, you know, restaurants, things that are focused on 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 a healthy type of uh, environment. Uh, urgent care, different healthcare specialties. So from an ICSC, an International Council of Shopping Centers perspective, uh, to, to focus on, uh, to focus on a sector that can help fill vacancies and help create great foot traffic and those types of things. Obviously, that's a no brainer. But I also think, uh, it, it, you're seeing, so you're seeing the, the demand on that side, but, I think also you're seeing the demand on the healthcare and the health and wellness side of understanding that um, that healthcare cannot exist in the old traditional way, that it has to be out in the neighborhoods, you know, and and it's not just you know uh, you know this is something that that we talk about all the time with our with our clients with a health system, uh, you know, people need to think about their health system as a brand. And some people within those systems may be thinking about that as a brand, but not enough. You know, I think sometimes health systems think that people in the market, just, you know, regular Joe, Joe America, uh, understands the difference between health system A and health system B in a market. But for the most part, they really don't. Uh, and so how do you distinguish your brand and how do you make people, uh, want to stay with you in sort of a cradle to grave relationship? Not just, hey, come to us, we'll treat you when you're sick, but come to us, we'll keep you from getting sick, we'll keep you healthy. That's really, I think, the, the, the future of healthcare. You know, no amount of healthcare legislation or type of healthcare legislation is going to help us as a, as a country if we don't start getting healthier and start making better decisions. And so part of that is education. Part of that is taking 
that education and those types of offerings and types of ways to stay healthy, both with food and with education and with fitness uh, into the communities, into neighborhoods. And that's a retail strategy, right? So the things that will help people be successful in healthcare, offering these types of services, uh, not just health and wellness, but healthcare, you're going to have to be out in the neighborhoods. And to do that, you're going to have to understand a real estate strategy beyond the old, if you build it, uh, they will come. You know, we, in our presentations, we talk about, we have a, you know, we talk about how healthcare is evolving and, you know, clearly there are regulatory hurdles and uncertainty with regard to healthcare regulation. And, and certainly Buxton can't help with any of that. But the other things that are, that are making healthcare evolve are, uh, you know, the evolving consumer, right. And how people make decisions and choices about the, the healthcare services that they provide their smartphones and, you know, where they go and, uh, looking at things uh, as they go shopping uh, for other things, you know, uh, that you have an evolving consumer and the type of expectation that they have. But also you have, an, as we talked about earlier, an extremely competitive environment, extremely competitive. You know, there is so much money being spent in healthcare, and And any time you have that much money being spent and some of the traditional players by taking a traditional healthcare approach are investing those dollars inefficiently, and leave themselves open to competitors, you're going to have a bunch of people jump into that market. Anytime there's a bunch of money to be had and there's a perceived inefficiency in the market, you're going to have a lot of players jumping into that space. And so you, you've got that. Private equity is in it in a huge way. You've got, obviously, you're looking at the growth of CVS and Walgreens and Walmart and, uh, you know, just what is going on with all of that. Uh, you know, you've got a lot of different players in the space and what are they doing? They're, they're understanding consumers. They're understanding a retail strategy. They're going into neighborhoods and being more convenient and more visible to, to provide these offerings. And if you're sitting out there on the free land that the church gave you behind an industrial park that no one can, you can't see them from the highway <laughs> and those types of things, I mean, you're going to get slaughtered. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's part of why it's important to not only have these conversations like you and I are having, but why ICSC and, and, and retail is, is, is getting involved as well. You know, sorry to, to kind of keep blabbing here, but, you know, the last piece on this is, you know, in, in, in our presentations, we talk about Blockbuster, you know, and, and, you know, Blockbuster, I think there's one Blockbuster still in business in Bend, Oregon, right? But if, if you and I were having this conversation 13, 14 years ago, and I told you Blockbuster would be completely out of business in 2019, You'd have told me I was crazy, but, but that happened. And it wasn't that Blockbuster didn't have a lot of really smart people and did a lot of really smart things, but A, they didn't pay enough attention or enough people didn't pay enough attention or pay enough respect to how the consumer was evolving and how they wanted to make choices. Uh, and they also, uh, they also, you know, didn't, didn't, uh, pay attention or give enough respect to the new competitors in the market. Oh, they can't do what we do, that type of thing. And they're completely out of business. Uh, that's mind-blowing when you think about how big they were and how many smart people that they had. And they did a lot of things right. But it doesn't take that many bad decisions or that much not paying attention or giving enough respect to your competitors to let it, to let it bite you, to let it bite you uh, in the rear, so to speak. Uh, and so think about today. You've got CVS, right? What is CVS? There's you know, 9,000 CVS locations, most of them in the United States. 
Uh, there's 1,100 plus minute clinic locations. They're starting to offer other types of services. Uh, you know, obviously Aetna uh, with the affiliation there. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, there's all kinds of innovation that can come from that. And they're in every neighborhood in the United States. And they can be the ones, they're not there yet, but they could absolutely be the ones that have the ongoing conversation with, with the people in their trade areas and, and develop uh, cradle to grave type relationships with those types of people across a variety of different healthcare services and wellness. And that is uh, pretty interesting, but should be pretty scary to a lot of traditional players in the space. But what is CVS but a retailer who understands consumer? So all of these things are sort of blending together into this world. And so I was glad to see ICSC um, jump on that. So sorry, sorry for talking too long on, on that, but that's just uh, near and dear to my heart, and, I, and I've just seen that evolution over the last few years. No, I, I appreciate the conversation, uh, Bill. I, in, in fact, the, the one reason I wanted you to talk about uh, ICSC is because um, I know that Buxton has had a presence uh, within the organization for some time, and and that's really where where some of um, uh, Buxton's roots start in, in in the retail space. And I also enjoyed our conversation offline about. CVS and Walgreens and, and what those organizations are doing because um, they have a powerful uh, footprint. They have a network that's hard to compete with. And uh, I know they've partnered with uh, some of the local healthcare providers to staff their clinics, but but you're right in that CVS and Walgreens are looking to expand healthcare operations and and uh, local healthcare providers should should be watching what they're doing and and be concerned in some cases uh, because of of the network uh, that they have. So uh, I think it was a great yeah you know and, a great and, point. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry, Andrew. I, and I was just going to say you know real quick on that uh, you know there but there but there are strategies to take if you are the systems to make sure that you don't get swallowed up by that uh, you know but it is taking a neighborhood by neighborhood approach. And not a one size fits all approach to your marketing or to the services that you offer. It's really catering your offerings in, in each of the neighborhoods that you serve to the population of that, that neighborhood and their needs and their desires and the services that uh, they, they may need and, and how to educate that population to have better outcomes over time. And, you know, Think there's no one size fits all approach to that, and the way that you achieve those localized uh, local store marketing, if you will, or neighborhood customization of your offerings, uh, is to use data and analytics and understand people as consumers, not just demographics in those neighborhoods, uh, and understand their behaviors and their attitudes and how often do they exercise or not exercise, how are they eating or poorly or well, um, you know, how are they aging? What, what are the different types of things? You could have two houses that demographically are the same, uh, but how, but how they live their lives, how active one is versus another, uh, you know, one, one could be 65 and, and, and hikes three times a week and eats well and is always very active. And the other living right across the street that's 65 that has the same net worth is a couch potato. You know, one guy needs an orthopedic surgeon. The other guy needs a cardiologist. If I'm just looking at them demographically, I'm not going to be able to tell the difference. So implementing consumer level data, uh, understanding people's attitudes and behaviors in combination with other things can help people forecast what will be needed and how to change outcomes, not on a market level basis, 
but on a location by location or a trade area by trade area basis. Uh, not every CVS trade area is the same, but they're using data and analytics to optimize their offerings and their messaging in those local communities uh, to be as successful as possible. And that is possible for healthcare companies outside of those bigger guys. But you've got to implement some of the things that we're talking about today. Great point. And uh, enjoyed that part of our discussion. Bill, switching gears, um, I know that Buxton recently uh, developed a strategic relationship with CoStar, which is a, a huge player in the real estate space. Uh, what does that strategic relationship look like and how will it benefit your clients? Yeah, we're really excited about the relationship. It is a, a game changer, you know, in, in, in real estate uh, investment. Uh, you know, for those that don't know, CoStar is uh, a, a very large uh, data and research and analytics company in their own right uh, and, and publicly traded. And they uh, have amazing information uh, on uh, real estate, what's available uh, in the markets for sale, for lease, of what type of real estate, uh, what are the asking rents, uh, what's the, what's the asking price for land, um, what, what, what are things being leased for, uh, around it? What's the tenant mix? Who are the tenants in particular facilities? It's just, I'm not even doing it justice. The, the, the vast amounts of, of wonderful data market comps, um, the, the vast amount of data and research that goes into their offering. And so for the first time, what we're able to do is combine our two offerings in one platform for the benefit of our clients. So, you know, if you think about some of the things we talked about earlier, the output uh, of a, a healthcare system comes to us and says, hey, we want to really grow primary care, urgent care, orthopedics uh, and cardiology in an outpatient setting. We would build those forecasting models based on combining their data with our data and methodologies and then forecast here's where your here's how many locations you can have for each of those service lines in the market and here's where they lay out the best analytical intersections for you you now have that inventory of top potential locations uh, you know that that meet all the criteria that, that that your successful locations already have for those services well now with costar you're you know the one thing that we weren't able to provide was okay that's great these are the best analytical intersections for me is there anything available there that that meets uh my ideal location both in terms of size and quality but also economics and now they can actually turn on the bucks and recommended potential trade areas you can turn on then costar and say okay what's available that meets my economic criteria my size criteria my use criteria that fall within those recommended trade areas. And so actually see all of that in one platform, see who to contact there or who to put your people in contact with to get these very precious sites in the most ideal trade areas as quickly as possible without having to wait on brokers or other things that may take a while or only see some of the sites that may be available, this gives you access to all of the sites with all of the information that you have to get to sites. Again, we're talking about a very competitive market uh, to get to those sites in the best recommended trade areas analytically faster than your competition. Uh, it's, it's, it's really a game changer uh, in, in our world. And so, Bill, when, when we were talking offline, it sounds like your clients could also use this, the CoStar feature as well 
to the extent that they had um, were looking at a leasing arrangement with a referral source and the Stark law or the anti-kickback law may apply, you could quickly pull comps from that area and, and make a an educated decision based on what is what is fair market value in that area. Is that right? That's exact. That's exactly right. I mean, uh, you know, uh, CoStar does a tremendous job pulling that data in every market across the United States and in regular intervals, so that it's a, it's clearly available on the platform. So when you have to utilize data to prove that you're asking fair market value for real estate, um, you can easily pull that report in in you know a few seconds. And so, just tremendously valuable. Yes, for for Stark Law compliance and, and anti-kickback. Great. Bill, as we, we wrap up, um, I want to ask you just a couple questions. Uh, over the next five years, how do you think the, the Buxton business model will change? You know, it's interesting. Over 25 years, our, our business model, um, what we do has not really change, which is combining our clients' data with our data and methodologies and technologies to produce answers, right? We love data. We'll always love data. We spend millions of dollars a year on data to help answer a lot of these questions, but um, data in and of itself is worthless. Uh, there's a lot of people that are data rich and insight poor, to use the cliche. But what we really bring to the table and has and have always brought to the table is the ability to to find the patterns in the chaos, to know what to do with all of that data com combined and experience to create answers. These are the things that you need to be successful. And here's all the places that you're not that have it. Here's all the places that you are that don't have it anymore. Uh, right, whatever whatever that ends up being. Now, where we've changed and evolved and grown is how our clients interact with those answers. And so, we talked about our technology platform that enables our clients to push buttons easily and get the answers that they need to make these decisions. So, I think you'll continue to see our technology evolve. Uh, you're seeing all kinds of things with artificial intelligence and machine learning. Those are buzzwords out there, and we certainly implement those things into our solutions. But, you know, you always have to question, you know, with that, when you hear those sexy buzzwords, you still need a lot of sample set, uh, a lot of data points to be able to come up with valuable insights in that. But we are, we're experimenting with that uh, data visualization, mobile data to be able to follow people's traffic patterns uh, and, and, and shopping behaviors. There's all kinds of interesting technologies and new data sources that we'll continue to investigate and implement and develop ourselves to continue to make our answers better, uh, and the way in which our clients inter interact with them better. Um, but, uh, you know, the fundamental question of what Buxton does under helping people understand who their consumers are and where's everybody else that looks just like them that aren't utilizing them right now and where are the best places to invest their dollars for real estate. Uh, that's, that's always going to be who we are in healthcare. That will only continue to grow. Uh, I think you're continuing to see the advancement and the acceptance of these types of strategies and the need to understand people, patients as consumers, the need to think about things not purely as retail, but more like retail than they have in the past. 
And so I think you'll continue to see us invest heavily in our healthcare vertical, uh, in data technology and people to continue to produce the best solutions for our clients to help navigate a very uh, competitive and evolving time. Great. Uh, Bill, where can uh, our audience learn more about you and Buxton's healthcare practice? Yeah, you know, if, uh, the best place, you have a lot of great content, uh, you know, is to go to our website, and that's just buxtonco.com. So B U X T O N C O.com. Um, and you can contact me directly as well. It's Bill Stineford, uh, and my email is B Stineford, S T I. N-N-E-F, as in Frank, O-R-D, as in David, at buxtonco.com. Or you go to our leadership page and you'll see our leadership and our and our email addresses on the website as well. But there's a healthcare section on there, lots of great content and videos to, and for people at any stage uh, to, to learn more about the things that we're talking about today and why they're so important. Well, Bill, thanks for joining the podcast. I, I really enjoyed our discussion. Thanks to our audience for listening as well. On your Apple or Android device, please subscribe to the podcast and leave feedback for us. If you have any ideas for uh, future topics or guests, please reach out to me. Uh, my email address is adick at hallrender.com. We also publish a newsletter called the Healthcare Real Estate Advisor to be added to the list. Please reach out to me at the same email address. Thank you. 